The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. For the next few podcasts, we're going to be posting sermons from our annual meeting of 2023. Our invited ministers were Elder Mark Green and Elder Adam Green of Arkansas. They preached powerful messages that edified our souls. This first message is a message by Elder Mark Green on the topic of absolutism. Absolutism has been a persistent and pernicious problem for those who believe in the sovereignty of God and the eternal salvation. In this powerful message, Elder Mark Green puts to rest the issue of absolutism by using scripture to debunk its philosophy, and he shows that absolutism is not supported by the Bible. Due to the length of this sermon, we will not have a song to introduce it, but we'll go right into the message. Thank you for joining us, and I hope this message helps you on this particular heresy that has afflicted primitive Baptists throughout the centuries. The two most pernicious and persistent errors that the primitive Baptist people have faced, and I say primitive Baptist, the church did not begin to be called primitive Baptist until it reached the shores of America. But in this country, are progressivism and absolutism. Now when I say progressivism, I include missionism with that because that was the first manifestation of the progressive spirit on these shores. Now I did not say that those were the worst, most dangerous errors most devastating errors because we have had others that were worse than that. Uh, All of us who are ministers can thank God that we don't have to, at least to any significance, deal with the two-seed doctrine today. I could probably safely count on one hand the number of our ministers who would even be able to describe that doctrine, let alone uh, defend the position against that error. 
I couldn't. I'd have to do some study in order to do that. But that was, that was the uh, probably the prevailing error in the mid-1800s was the two-seed doctrine. And I'm not going to take time to tell you what that is. It'd take too long. I couldn't do it anyway. We're going to talk about absolutism. I'm against it. Amen. In case there's any doubt. Now, the, the thing that makes absolutism so dangerous is that it is very close to the truth in many respects. But so is the path that's along a cliff. One step too far and it's disastrous. In the year 1792, the, there was a group of ministers that met in Kettering, England and established the first Baptist Missionary Society. One of those men was named Andrew Fuller. Probably the most famous of them was named Andrew Fuller and thus the name Fullerism came to be attached to the Missionary Baptist uh, denomination by our people. So for about 11 years, that fermented along, was discussed. And then in 1803, there was a query, question, put before the Cahookie Association. Now, the Cahookie Association was in North Carolina. It was a huge association. There were times during their history when they, well, I think there were maybe three separate occasions that that association had to divide just because it got so geographically huge. It was upwards of 40 churches in that association at times, and it was just, it became unmanageable from a size. So it was a big association. But the question was put to them in the year 1803 whether or not they ought to be busy supporting this new missionary spirit that had come up among the Baptist people. And so that kind of bounced around for a few years. And then in the year 1826, one of the most remarkable men that we've ever had among us named Elder Joshua, Elder Joshua Lawrence. And you, if you want to say who is responsible for the primitive Baptist people existing as a distinct denomination, denominated by a name separate from other people, Brother Lawrence would come as close as anyone to being the one that you could say that about. He put a query, a, a resolution, a declaration of principles before the Kahuki Association. And it was by this time now, from 1792 to 1826, there had been uh, enough discussion of this new missionary thing because the thing they discovered very quickly about missionism was it always had a dollar sign attached to it. You know, you couldn't just go. You had to have money before you could go. Kind of a little different than how the Apostle Paul did it. But. And the next year, it, it, that, that question was sent back to the churches. And the next year, whenever the association met, they voted to adopt what we now know as the Kahuki Declaration in 1827. 
and it declared non-fellowship for, and there, and there wasn't anything doctrinal mentioned in it. It was all practice. All of the practices that were attached to the modern missionary movement, and they enumerated several of them there, and, and didn't, didn't name all of them, but they got quite a few of them. A few years later, 1832, 33, in uh, uh, up north, further up north, at Black Rock, Maryland, several of the northern ministers met at what became known as the Black Rock Address. And it, the Kahuki Declaration was really one paragraph. But the Black Rock went into much more detail about the things that we were opposed to and why we were opposed to them. Now, here's where we're talking about absolutism. We're not talking about missionism. But here's where the problem came. Fatalism, absolutism, has been around forever. That goes way back. That's not Absolutism is a real convenient little doctrinal position if you want not to be blamed for anything. I couldn't help it. God predestinated from before the world began that I had to do that. Couldn't have been any other way. No possibility that it would have varied from that. Now this predestinates a strong word. When you say God predestinates something, now in the Bible it always talks about someone, it doesn't talk about something. But if you say somebody, God predestinated something, then that meant that there was zero possibility that it would be otherwise. So, you had ridiculous, very confusing results of that doctrine. Imagine, if you're a father or if you're a child, and your daddy's giving you a whipping, you got a pretty good defense. <laughs> Daddy, why are you giving me a, a whipping? I couldn't have done anything else. God predestinated from before the foundation of the world that I had to do that. Of course, Daddy, if he's on, if he's an absolute and if he's on his toe, he's going to say, I realize that, son. He predestinated I was going to give you a whipping, too. <laughs> now, are children not going to be confused by that? Yeah. If it's of God, it does not confuse. God is not the author of confusion. Amen. That's right. Now, I want to be very clear. Primitive Baptists believe in predestination. I'm not going to take time on that. I'm sure you're well grounded in that, as the Bible teaches it. We certainly believe that if God purposes, decrees that something is going to happen, it's going to happen. But there are things, now get this, there are things that God purposes should happen which don't necessarily happen. Now, if God purposes, states, that something ought to happen, it just as surely ought to happen as something will happen if God says it shall happen. If God places an obligation upon you 
by saying that you ought to do something, that's on you and you can't escape it. But that does not result that you're automatically going to do that, which God has said that you ought to do. All of us admit that we do not always do what we ought to do. Now, whose fault is it? Is it God's fault that we don't do? As soon as you're born again, you have life. They that are in the flesh, Apostle Paul says in the 8th chapter of Romans, cannot please God. You're dead in trespasses and sins. It's impossible for you to do anything that's pleasing unto God. But the very next verse, the Apostle Paul says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. If you've been born again, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, then you're no longer in the flesh. Therefore, you are no longer in that situation where you cannot please God. You can please God, it's just that you don't always please God. And we need to distinguish very carefully between what we cannot do and what we will not do. I'll be 70 years old my next birthday. I take great comfort in that verse, in the 10th chapter, 10th verse of the 90th Psalm, where Moses actually wrote that Psalm. Moses said, uh, the days of our years are three score years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be four score years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. I take great satisfaction in that. That's a real excuse for me not doing a lot of the things I don't feel like doing. <laughs> and I, I don't feel like, you know. I can still mow the yard, but it has to be in shifts, and I have to go in and rest my, and I'm talking about this way, I have to go in and rest my back in between sessions. And my wife, bless her heart, has not one whit of sympathy for all of that. I know it's hard for you to mow the yard, but you've got it to do, so get up and do it. There's a difference between things that are, are difficult and things that are impossible. Yes, sometimes it's difficult to serve God. Sometimes dealing with the lust of my flesh and keeping down this body from all of the things that the body sinful flesh desires to do is a difficult proposition because the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and we cannot do the things that we would. We would live, we desire to live, want to live perfectly in service to God but we don't find that we're able to do that. That's not to say that we cannot ever do anything that we would desire to do but we can't do it perfectly which is what we wish we could. So we can, we can, but we don't always. We do sometimes. What's the difference between when we... Now, does God command his people when we do that which we ought to do? Well, think about that. Why would he command us if that was pre, had been predestinated and we couldn't have done otherwise? Why would he command us? But he said to the Galatians over there, he said, ye did run well. You used to do right. You used to believe the truth. You used to hold the doctrines that I had preached to you. You did run well. Who hath bewitched you that you should not continue in the truth? He commanded them, said you did well. But they didn't always do well. They weren't doing that well now. What's the difference? 
Well, it's not God's predestination. Amen. We ought to do it. We can do it. But the sad fact of the matter is that we don't always do what we ought to do and what we could do, but we won't do. Now, some people don't know what the right thing to do is. Now, that's a matter of ignorance. But can ignorance be remedied? I'm, I've misquoted a few verses here. I've quoted at a few verses. Was that because of God's predestination or was that because I hadn't put forth the effort to review them? Recently enough, Brother, Brother Connolly one time, uh, one of our deacons, Brother Rex Heffington, asked him, said, you got, Brother Connolly was a wonderful scriptorian. And he said, you, do, do you have total recall? Brother Conley scoffed at him and said, no, I don't have total recall. He said, you can generally remember what the Bible says if you've read it recently. You know, <laughs> I never have forgot that. Well, if I've not read the Bible recently, then the reason I don't remember what's in the Bible is my fault. My slothfulness. And I ought not try to roll off on God the blame for my slothfulness and laziness in serving him. That's inexcusable. Doubly sinful. All right, now, in Scripture, we must always watch for those, what it is that, the, that God is obviously intending to convey to us. Now, there will be passages of Scripture that you'll run across, and you'll hear somebody put an interpretation on it. Be a parent of Baptist, might be somebody else, and you look at it and you say, that's, that's obviously not what that verse means. And, and it sounded good, you know. Listen, avoid deep preachers. Amen, Listen to clear preachers. If when the preacher gets through, you understand less than when you started, he didn't get his job done. And from the preacher's pulpit, if you're standing up here and you got, everybody in the congregation's got that deer in the headlights look, then you've not done your job. Didn't understand that. All right, let's look at some verses and I, what I want you to listen for, what is it that God is intending to convey? Is it that everything is fixed to be the way that it is or that it ends up being and could not have been any other way? Listen. I married well. But that wasn't because... I've said this many times publicly, so I'll just go ahead and confess my sins. My wife and I will be observing our 50th anniversary here in about three and a half months. And, and it's been a wonderful 50 years. She's been a wonderful wife. I, I, you know, she, she, she's a, a wonderful cook, a tremendously efficient homemaker, and the best mother that I've ever seen. But when I married her, she couldn't boil water. <laughs> and that's not much of an exaggeration. I married my wife purely and simply because she was the best looking female I had ever seen. (laughs) 
That's a good reason to get to know a young lady. It's a real bad reason to marry one. <laughs> you won't get much for that. But now, was my foolishness blamable upon God? Now God's mercy overruled my foolishness and he gave me a wonderful wife despite my negligence in the matter. You know, my checklist was, was good as far as it went. That first one there, she's beautiful, you know, but you know, it should have had a few more items on the checklist. <laughs> it's good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. I mean, as long as you both shall live can end up being a long time. We started early and we stayed after it and so it's ended up being a long time with us. Now given the fact that her grandmother lived to be 100 and both my parents have lived to be 94, mother's still living, the odds of our getting a few more years checked off on that are pretty fair. If she didn't kill me first. <laughs> Which is, might happen. Uh, but you see my, my foolishness. Yes. God did overrule my foolishness for, for good. I didn't handle it the way it should have been handled. But God overruled that and gave me a wonderful wife. But he didn't have to. Right. That's right. All right. You're familiar with this? If, and not every time in the Bible that you hear the word if, does that mean a contingent situation? If can be used in a rhetorical sense where it has the sense, S-E-N-S-E, of sense, S-I-N-C-E. Since this is the case, if this is true, given the fact that this is true, then this must necessarily follow. But that's not the case here. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then it was predestinated. And it wouldn't have matter what they had done. It would have been that way anyway. Is that what God was intending to convey? If they'll do that, then, not necessarily, but if they do that, then I'll heal from heaven and will hear their land. And turn from their wicked ways. We tend to leave that one out. Have you notice that? We tend to leave that last one out and turn from their wicked ways. If you'll quit doing I'll quit doing the things that we know we ought not to be doing and repent of our sins, then God will hear from heaven and heal our land. We tend to read that verse with the idea that if all of those wicked people out there will just quit doing what they're doing, then God will heal our land. But that's not what he says. But he says if. Do you get the point? Amen. This obviously is a contingent situation. It may happen. We hope it will happen, but it might not happen. Right. 
And if it does not happen, then God tells us what? If it does not happen, God tells us the reason for that, the reason it did not happen, and where the blame lies. If your land is not healed, it's because you did not do these things. Not because God was unwilling or unable to do what he had said he was going to do. All right, let's go on to the 89th Psalm. I'm not going to be very long. You know, listen. It doesn't take long to dispel nonsense if you'll just look at what the Bible says and what it means. It doesn't take long. Just read it, understand what it says, and believe it. Amen. It's not that complicated. Now, there's parts in the Bible that are complicated. I'll admit you there. Apostle Peter admitted that. He said things Brother Paul wrote are hard to be understood, and I agree with him. There's many of them that I haven't got figured out by a long shot yet. But some of them are not hard to figure out, and that verse I just read you is one of them. If you'll do what I told you to do, it'll be well with you. Amen. Same thing my daddy taught me when I was a little boy. That's right. You just do what I tell you, everything's going to be okay. But if you don't, and he usually wouldn't finish the sentence, but we knew what he meant. <laughs> All right, let's go to the 89th Psalm. If his children, David's children, the greater David's children, if his children forsake my law, oh, if they do that, and they might do that, they're capable of doing that. You know, wouldn't it be, you know what's going to be one of the nicest things about heaven? Is that just as surely as in Romans chapter 8, they that are in the flesh cannot please God, those of us who are in heaven cannot sin. We won't have to worry about it. We won't have to fight against it. We won't have to be always be watching out for the temptations of the devil. In heaven, that's all gone. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. If then, if they do this, then this is what I'm going to do. Right. Now, my father was pretty good about keeping his word when it came to whippings. But he did miss a few. He, I, he, I, he either didn't notice or he didn't have time at the moment or he forgot about it or he had a tender moment, whatever. He did miss a few. God doesn't ever. If God says he's going to do it, he always does it. Amen. Then will I visit their transgression with the rod. If, then. It's going to happen every time. Now, I've said, with regard to bringing up children, raising children, that it's not that complicated a proposition. Now, it's not. Raising children is fairly simple. It's not easy, but it's fairly simple. If you want your children to behave, then you just have to charge more for their misbehavior than they can afford to pay. <laughs> but you have to do it in their currency, not yours. Because some of them, you can tan their hide black and blue and they just bow up. 
Others, all you got to do is look at them and clear your throat, and they'll dissolve into tears. You got to you got to charge them in their currency, not your currency. All right, let's go on to one more place. Now, here's a verse that I have never heard an absoluter answer because the absoluter's stock answer for why something happens is always going to be the same thing because God predestinated that it happened. That, that, that covers everything. But now listen to this verse. When I say unto the wicked, this is the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel in the 8th verse, if you're interested. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall indeed die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. I told you to warn him, you didn't warn him, Therefore, I want to require his blood at your hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, same as the other way, but thou hast delivered thy soul. I've told people any number of times when I'm up talk, uh, preaching to them and covering something and warning them about a certain path, I've Tell them what I'm in the process of doing is trying to transfer the blood from my hand to your hand. If you've been warned, if you've been taught, then it's off my back. Blood's on your hands. Okay, verse 10. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Now listen to this next verse. And picture yourself as, I, 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 just for this one time, picture yourself as being an absoluter and ask yourself how you're going to answer this. Say unto them, the wicked, the, those that are disobeying God, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. If he has no pleasure in it, why would he predestinate it to be so? Does that make sense? When I'm at my house trying to make things happen that I want to happen, I'm not predestinating just the opposite to be the case. If I'm going home and threatening my wife to make something, to cook something for supper, it's going to be something I, and I don't do that. She rules the kitchen with an iron hand. You understand? I stay out of the kitchen. I'm, 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 I'm stupid sometimes, but I am not suicidal. <laughs> but but if, I'm, if I'm going to say, or else, with regard to what's for supper tonight, I'm not going to say that for something I don't like. I'm going to say that something's going to be sweet and sour meatballs. I mean... I've said many times, I didn't marry her for her sweet and sour meatballs, but I would have. <laughs> I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but I have pleasure in this, that the wicked turn from his way and live. Listen closely. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die, O Israel? That's the question. The absolute has to answer that because it was predestined. God just now said, 
that he did not predestinate. Why? Well, there's no reason for you to die. If you do this, you're going to die, but there's no reason for you to die. But the absolute has got to say that the reason is because I predestinated it to be, and it couldn't be any way else. But God rebuts that by saying, why will you die? There's no reason for me. I take no pleasure in your death. Just do what you're supposed to do and live. Now, that living that he's talking about there is talking about corporeal, physical. I mean, they were going to be physically killed by their enemies if they didn't do what the Lord, enemies of Israel would come in upon them. Now, I do believe that when God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And he does sometimes say things are going to happen. When God says something's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. And he does has occasionally said that. We want to limit in our language, in our doctrine, God's predestination, that term, to people and their home in heaven. Because that's how the Bible uses it. But God has aspects of his government other than predestination. That's not the only way that he governs. Sometimes he governs by commands that should be obeyed, but won't necessarily be obeyed. And then he punishes the disobedience. If you are going to choose a philosophy, it seems to me that you're going to be better off to choose a philosophy that is not self-defeating. But if absolutism dies, and it's come pretty close, in this country, thankfully. I, I mean, that's, that's one funeral I'll be happy to attend. Right. <laughs> if absolutism d- does die, then all they, have to, they, all they can say is, well, God predestinated to die. It couldn't have been any other way. I tell you, if their, doctrine, uh, if their doctrine were true, then there's not any other way that it could be. But I'm telling you from cover to cover in the Bible it says if God's people do what they, God tells them to do, it'll be well with them. And they'll prosper and they'll eat the good of the land. Amen. But if you re- refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword. Right. If, if. Right. I, brother, we need to be on the right side of those ifs. Come ahead. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.